And last week in part three of the series, we focused on uh, the betrayal Joseph suffered at the hands of his brothers. And if you look at Joseph's situation, uh, you could really identify with him. You could say, well, it would be easy, Joseph would be justified if he held some type of grudge against his brothers. In the eyes of the world, we'd say that's fine. Uh, many of us would support Joseph if he had sought justice. You know, his brothers show up and that's fine, I, but you're still going to be held accountable for the crimes that you committed against me. So if justice would have been sought by Joseph, nobody would have blinked an eye at that. Uh, some of us uh, maybe would get in his position and say, you know what, I, I can become very angry with God. Uh, if God really loved me and really cared about me, he wouldn't allow me to suffer the way that I've suffered. And some of us have suffered like Joseph and uh, may not share the same perspective that Joseph has towards God and, that the, and show the same grace that he shows towards his brothers. Uh, the forgiveness Joseph shows to his brothers, again, it's a prophetic snapshot foreshadowing the grace Jesus shows us as sinners. And aren't you grateful for his grace? Forgiveness is a theme you'll find woven throughout Scripture from, from cover to cover. Uh, listen, just a reminder, I shared this verse last week. Uh, what Jesus says about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, I understand there are people that have committed evil against us, and it can be very difficult in those circumstances to offer forgiveness. However, it's not impossible. In those situations, that's where it's, it, it just seems very difficult to forgive others. That's when we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you try to lean on yourself, rely on yourself to accomplish that, it's going to be futile. But you have to rely on the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit for forgiveness in those situations. Jesus makes it very clear that our forgiveness is contingent upon our willingness to forgive others who have sinned against us. If we receive forgiveness for our sins... But again, are willing to forgive others of their sins. Now think about that. We're, all, we're willing to say, yeah, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wipe the slate clean. But uh, the sins of others, I, I, you know, I'm just, I, can't, I can't let go of that. Well, that makes us hypocrites. We're willing to receive something, but we're not willing to give something. Something we're called upon by, in Scripture to, to give and to receive. So we may not sin against others uh, like they've sinned against us, but make no mistake, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And each one of us that are in here this morning, our sins put Jesus on the cross. Every one of us are guilty. So if we honestly repent of our sins, which of our sins is Jesus unwilling to forgive? None, of course. And likewise, we must show that same grace towards those who don't deserve grace. Today, we're going to focus on this part of Joseph's story that I would just kind of categorize as restoration. And restoration is defined as the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. Restoration is the process of repairing or renovating a building, a work of art, a vehicle, etc., as to restore it to its original condition. God created us with a purpose. Everyone in here, we have a purpose. God has a plan for our lives. However, sin and our sin nature disrupts that plan. Each and every one of us, again, God, God created us with a plan and a purpose, but our sin has disrupted that plan. And before we were ever a thought in our parents' minds, 
Again, God had a plan for us. I'm going to make this distinction clear. I know I do this often when I talk about plans and purposes, but you weren't born and then God found something for you to do. God had a plan and then you were born to fulfill that plan. It's very different. So only in Christ can we discover and fulfill God's plan for our lives. The Holy Spirit, he dwells in us for a redeeming purpose. Again, it's not that the Holy Spirit dwells in us because he has nowhere else to go or no better place to hang out. He, is, he dwells in us for a redeeming purpose. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when we're born of the Spirit into the family of God, the Holy Spirit makes us a new creation. We have a new spirit with new desires. But we all know this. We have a new spirit and new desires, but we have the old flesh and the old desires that we have to deal with. And the old flesh and the old desires often conflict with our, our new desires. And our flesh will conflict with God's plan and purpose for our lives. They'll work counter to each other. In Christ, we must deal with our flesh, our desires, and otherwise they will hinder us from experiencing the restoration of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, we are his workmanship. There are other translations of the Bible that, that say we are his masterpiece, God's masterpiece. The Holy Spirit is working in us to transform us to, into a work of art. Uh, created, God has a, a work of art that he's trying to restore. You know, I think about um, here lately in some of these museums in Europe uh, where these protesters go in and they will uh, take paint or food and they'll throw it at these paintings and protest and you know, the work of restoration that has to take place on those paintings, some of them that are several hundreds of years old, and just the delicate operation there is to remove all those stains and blemishes. And it's the same way with us. The Holy Spirit is doing a transforming work in our lives. We are a work of art. And you may look in the mirror and say, well, I don't really see a work of art. And the older that you get, you can see a lot of different things, right? But the truth is that the, the Holy Spirit is doing a restoring work in us. And that work will be hindered by ourselves, by our flesh, if we don't discern God's plan for our lives, if we don't surrender ourselves to fulfilling that plan. Sin has damaged God's masterpiece, every one of us. Sin has damaged this masterpiece. Again, you may look at yourself in the mirror, may look at your, your life that you live, and you see defects. Or you see uh, excuses why, well, I can't fulfill God's plan for my life. Uh, I've been through this. I've done this. I've committed this sin. I've made this mistake. And you can't believe that lie. It's a lie that you must deal with and defeat in your life, or you'll never be restored to God's plan for your life. God will not override our free will. He will not force you to fulfill his plans. Let's say that again. God will not override your free will and force you to become the masterpiece that he intended. I'm not saying that he can't. I'm saying that he won't. There's a big difference. God is almighty. He's a, an almighty. He can do whatever he wants. But that's not what we find in scripture. That doesn't match his character. If you don't want to fulfill God's plan for your life, you don't have to. It's your choice. God will select someone else to fulfill that plan. So you have a free will to deal with. If you have the desire to become the masterpiece God created or intended, uh, restoration is the word. It's the key. God is in the restoring business. As you find forgiveness as a theme that runs throughout Scripture, so will you find that restoration is a theme that you find throughout Scripture. The plan God has for your life is far better than the plan that you have for your life. 
when we discover that plan, we're restored to fulfill that plan, that's when we will experience the greatest amount of peace and contentment. What we try to do in this world, let's face it, there are plenty of people in this community that try to find peace and contentment through a relationship, through a substance, through an experience, and they will never find it. And you know this, it only satisfies temporarily. If you look for satisfaction and peace in a drug or a substance or a person, it is only temporary. It only leaves you wanting more because it can never satisfy. When we discover God's plan or restore to fulfill that plan, that's again when we can experience the greatest amount of peace and contentment. So what I want you to do this, be able to wake up in the morning and have that peace that you know that I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm fulfilling what God created me to do. God made me for a purpose, and I am fulfilling that purpose each day. How can you not wake up each day and have peace? So that should be our goal, that we are fulfilling God's plan for life. God has a specific plan, and I am fulfilling that plan. If you've not fully surrendered your life to Jesus and experienced new birth, then please do that today. That's the first and most important step. So when you're in right relationship with God, that's when you can begin to fulfill his plan for your life. Let's face it, unless you're saved, unless you're born again, you can never fulfill what God wants you to do because salvation is the most important step, the first and the most important step. Until we surrender ourselves to Jesus as master of our lives, we'll never fulfill the plan that he has for us. Well, we never read about Joseph rebelling against God. We never read about him sinning or in any way showing uh, anything that would disrupt God's plan for our lives, in the circumstance that Joseph experiences, uh, it, wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be a surprise that he, he was met with some frustration or some dissatisfaction. However, we know this, that the circumstances that Joseph experienced didn't keep him from fulfilling God's plan. Did he experience frustration? We don't read about it in the Bible, but I'm sure he did. Did he have some anger? Did he have some, some, towards some, some type of malice towards his brothers at some point? We don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't tell us. We, we assume that Joseph just went to prison and went, went as a slave and he's as happy as could be. I, I don't think that's true. I'm sure he was very frustrated and very angry. But through the process of time, God dealt with him and he dealt with that pain and that suffering. So that when we fast forward to the end, we don't see any hindrance in his life and it, that keeps him from fulfilling God's plan. It was God who gave Joseph the dreams. Remember that. It wasn't that Joseph had these wonderful dreams about himself, uh, but God gave him those dreams, prophetic snapshots of the future. And those dreams God revealed to Joseph was the conclusion of his life. You know, it's amazing how God will show us glimpses. He often doesn't show us the entire picture. Sometimes he'll show us the beginning, or he may show us the end, or somewhere in the middle. He may give us a few details, but he never gives us the entire plan. Why? Because we have to walk by faith. I mean, let's face it. If God would have showed Joseph the entire story, the entire plan for his life, step by step, I don't know that Joseph or any one of us would sign up for that. The years of suffering, the years of solitude, abandonment, uh, the years of pain that he had to deal with was, was probably tremendous. And let's face it, we're human beings. We like to avoid suffering at all costs. Uh, we, we like to hear preaching that, that allows us to avoid suffering at all costs. But listen, that only sells for a little while. 
Because in this world, you will experience trouble. You will experience tragedy. You will experience tribulation. You, it cannot be avoided. You live in a fallen world. And so, so many times we like to come to church and hear fantasies and hear fairy tales rather than truth. The truth is you're going to suffer. Joseph could have gone to Egypt as a slave. He could have became bitter. And many of us could sympathize with that. But the bitterness he could have had didn't hinder him from fulfilling God's plan. Joseph could have been discouraged by the circumstances and gave up. How many of us can put ourselves in his position? Now, we know the end of the story, but let's be real. How many, dec I mean, he spends over a decade as a slave and in prison. How many of us would have just given up in defeat and never experienced the deliverance and the restoration that God planned? Joseph may have felt angry, became depressed, frustrated during his 13 years of hardships, but we don't know for sure. We can only assume. However, again, we can say this without certainty, or with certainty, that Joseph didn't get stuck in those feelings. If he was frustrated, if he was angry, he didn't get stuck in them. And that's key for us. We can't get stuck in those things. It, you know, when life happens, uh, again, I don't think our natural reaction is for this, you know, let's say you're driving down the road and someone slams into your car and just totals it. And you're like, well, praise God for that. Thank God for a neck injury. Thank God that my, I had to pay a deductible, you know, just whatever it is. Thank God that person didn't have insurance. I mean, we don't, we, that's not how we operate. We're human beings, but we just can't get stuck there. You know, may, you may have an accident, an injury with a prolonged uh, uh, you know, a, a sickness, an illness, uh, a, an injury. And, and each day you wake up with pains and you're, or you have to go through therapy. It's easy for us to be angry and frustrated, but you can't stay there. And that's the key. Joseph doesn't stay there. So what have you gone through in your life that could be looked at as, as a hindrance to fulfilling God's plan? I bet you as, as each and every one's God has a plan for our lives. You have also had circumstances and situations that you have experienced that have kept you or tried to keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. What hardships or trials have you faced or that you're currently facing that can oppose God's plans for your life? Like Joseph, we could get stuck in the blame game. We could take a victim's mentality. And if you have a victim's mentality, you'll never experience God's plan for your lives. Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, you can't be a victim and a conqueror simultaneously. Those two will work against each other. Remember, the trials we face or are currently facing, they are temporary. But to give some, some concept of time, remember, God's concept of time is different than our concept of time. When we think of temporary, we think of 10 minutes, Right? Temporary. But temporary in, in God's eyes in this situation is 13 years. Now, we wouldn't call that temporary. But honestly, if you look at Joseph's life, how many years he lives, I believe it's 147 or 137, something like that. It's temporary. It, it was a temporary place in his life. But again, we, we don't understand time the way that God understands time. <clears throat> Trials don't last forever. Trials will, will, will help us to become better, but if we, don't, if we don't go through those trials, the right way will become bitter. And bitterness will keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. See, God never promised Joseph an easy path. He doesn't give him these two dreams and say, 
okay, you're going to fulfill these plans and it's, it's just going to be smooth sailing. And I think that maybe might be a hindrance, some of you knowing that, that maybe keep you from fulfilling God's plan. You know that when you sign up for his plans, there might be some suffering. There might be some trials that are involved. But I'm going to give you some news. Whether you're fulfilling God's plan or not, you're going to suffer. You're going to go through trials. They're unavoidable. Death will happen. Life will happen. Sickness will happen. Tragedy will happen. Disease will happen. Disaster will happen. None of that's going to change until we get in heaven. Joseph followed God faithfully. He didn't get stuck in his pain. He didn't become bitter. It's such an important lesson that we have to learn. God had a plan for Joseph to lead and to preserve his family through a difficult time, though that, that plan would take place many years ahead. If God had not allowed Joseph to be sold as a slave, Joseph would have died the, the day that he appeared to his brothers near Dothan. Remember, Reuben was the only one that wanted to spare his life. The other brothers were like, kill him, kill him dead. Get rid of our headache. Get rid of the pain in our neck. And if God had not allowed Joseph to be sold in slavery, he would have died outside of Dothan because his brothers wanted to kill him. If God had not allowed Joseph to be sold as a slave, he would not have the opportunity. We understand this, the progression that takes place, he would have never been in that place where he had been in the, the presence of Pharaoh. So even every hardship Joseph endures, it brings him one step closer to fulfilling God's plan. Again, when we endure hardships, we don't look at it as a step forward. We look at it as a step back. We don't have the right perspective. We don't have God's perspective. And that's why the closer you get to God, the better perspective that you have. Whatever you're going through, remember this. Don't get stuck. It's temporary. We'll say that again. Whatever you're going through, don't get stuck. It's temporary. Be faithful to God in that season. He'll bring you through it. Like Joseph, God has a plan for your life. If we look at Joseph, Joseph's life, honestly, we put ourselves in his shoes, we would say this. I, I don't want to see where God's plan is. I mean, from the start of where the dreams are given to right up to the time where Joseph is elevated out of prison, I'm sure any one of us could look at that time frame of 13 years and say, where is, where is, God's, where is God's provision is this? Where is his plan? All I see is suffering. Every time I do the right thing, God blesses me, only that I fall into another tragedy, another trial. How is this, how is this bringing me one step closer to fulfilling God's plan? Sin, Satan, this world, even our own selfish desires will oppose you when you set your mind and your heart towards fulfilling God's plan. Like Joseph, you'll have the opportunity to get stuck in your hardships or you have the opportunity to move beyond them. Remember this truth, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. If Joseph had walked by sight, he, he would have never experienced the fulfillment of God's plan. So looking back on his trials, Joseph doesn't see his life as a tragedy. What does he see? He sees the providence of God. Joseph isn't upset with his brothers who wanted to kill him. Joseph isn't angry with his, his brothers for selling him into slavery. Joseph isn't angry with God because God allowed Joseph to suffer. I mean, here is Joseph's perspective when he's reunited with his brothers. And I've read this throughout the series. I want to read it again. Genesis 45, verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near him. Then he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. 
But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a prosperity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. I'm going to skip down to verse 15. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Now, by this time, if you do all the math, 22 years, 22 years have taken place. 22 years have gone by since the day they sold him into slavery until now he's reunited with his brothers. 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner, seven years of plenty, Joseph oversees, that's 20, then second year of the famine, 22 years. And by the, this time, 22 years is the fulfillment of God's plan for Joseph's life. Joseph, at this time, has forgiven his brothers, and he has peace with God. He understands that what he's endured wasn't for his defeat or his detriment, it was for his benefit. And when Joseph stands before his brothers, he's, he forgives them. He weeps, he hugs them. He said, don't blame yourselves. God, God allowed this, but it's good. Look, God has saved us. God has, he's prospering us at this time. So he hugs them and there's healing, there's restoration. The, the restoration that Joseph sought was now complete. Joseph hugs the brothers who hated him. Joseph weeps for the men who caused his suffering. Joseph is grateful that God counted him worthy to suffer for his plan. When the brothers bow down to Joseph, he's the governor, and in, in the dream that Joseph sees 22 years ago comes to pass before his very eyes. When the brothers moved to Egypt under Joseph's protection, for Joseph, the broken relationship was restored. The restoration was complete in his eyes. So I want you to think about this. What areas of your life do you need to experience God's restoring power? What relationships in your life needs to experience restoration? What areas of your life do you need to experience the power of God, putting things back together? Because that's what restoration is, putting things back together the way they should be. Again, I'm not saying perfection because we'll only have a complete restoration in heaven. But we can have something that is very different than what we have or currently see. What plans and purposes or dreams has God called you to fulfill that have fallen by the wayside? Maybe you've abandoned God's plan. You say, well, I'm too damaged. I'm too broken. I've done this. I've done that. I made this mistake. And because of the circumstances of life, I just, I can't do what God's called me to do. And the answer is, that's a lie. You know, there are, there are people that are in ministry today, and I'm just going to pick on ministry because it's easy for me, that have made terrible mistakes. Uh, they, may have, they may not have the same ministry that they had before, but it doesn't dis, discredit them. It doesn't take away God's plan and purpose for his life. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. And they finally come to understand, well, it may not be exactly how it was, but I could still fulfill God's plan for my life by doing this. And God blesses them because they went through a time of healing and restoration. So just because you've made mistakes doesn't mean that, you know what, the, what you were doing before is going to be exactly the same. 
but you could still fulfill God's plan for your life? Which of your relationships remain broken or in disrepair because of past hurt? Who have we offended or who have we hurt? As a result, the relationship is now broken and it needs restoration. See, we've been looking at this story throughout the series through the eyes of Joseph, right? This has been the perspective. It's through the perspective, honestly, through God and through Joseph. But there's another group of people that we need to look at the story through, and that's the brothers. So you may be like Joseph and suffered because of the actions of others. But let's reverse that. You might be the person in the story like the brothers. Maybe you've hurt someone. Maybe you've offended someone. When the brothers first appeared before Joseph, they didn't know it was Joseph who was interrogating them. They just believed this was the governor of Egypt. He's interrogating. We're foreigners. He believes that we're here to spy on the land. And so Joseph is obviously able to understand what they're saying, but he's acting through an interpreter as if he has no clue what they're talking about. Here's the conversation that takes place. And I want you to just look, look what takes place here. They're experiencing some interrogation. A little bit of pressure's on them. Uh, Joseph is threatening to throw one of their brothers in jail, and there's some pressure on him, and look what bubbles to the surface with this pressure. So verse 21, they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, did I not speak? Didn't I tell you? Do not sin against the boy. And you wouldn't listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them, to them through an interpreter. And look, when Joseph hears this, this is before the reunion takes place, he turns himself away from them and he wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them and took Simon from them and bound him before their eyes. You know, 22 years later, you can see Joseph's heart. It is just so soft. It is full of grace. It's full of forgiveness. These brothers are carrying around luggage. They are carrying around baggage. Look at this. The, this, this little bit of pressure comes upon them. What comes up? The pain they've caused on another person. The suffering they caused another person to endure. We're getting what we deserve. We're reaping what we've sown. This trouble is happening to us because of the, the, the damage we caused years ago. Soon as they experience this misfortune, that's where their minds go. We're being punished because we betrayed Joseph so many years ago. Joseph hears their words, and he sees this as repentance because that's what it is. They're, they're, they feel guilt. They feel shame over their sin. There's brokenness over their sin. And he has to turn away, and he weeps. See, what we're seeing here is the, again, Joseph is a type and shadow of Christ. When we carry around shame and guilt and regret, it breaks the heart of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, we will never experience God's plan for our life carrying around guilt, shame, and regret. We must give all that over to Jesus if we're ever going to experience restoration in our life. 
If we're ever going to fulfill God's plan for our life, you've got to get rid of guilt and shame and regret. Joseph, he sees his brother's guilt, their acknowledgement of their sin, and he sees it as repentance. They're sorrowful for the pain they've caused. They believe they deserve this just treatment. Joseph, again, acting as a type of Christ, he's showing us the heart of Jesus. When he sees, when Joseph sees the brokenness of his brothers, he's moved with compassion. When Jesus sees us carrying guilt and shame and regret, it moves him with compassion. If we repent, if we cry out to Christ for mercy, to ask him to release us from the, the burdens, Jesus will do that. He'll give us rest for our souls. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. However, the release of that guilt allows you to experience restoration. And you can ask God to forgive you how you've treated somebody, let's say. And God will show you grace. But God doesn't show you that grace so that you just go on about your merry way. God shows you grace so that you can make things right. In most situations, most broken relationships, not all, but most, restoration is possible and should take place. Let's say that again. In most broken relationships, most, Restoration is possible and should take place. Some of you need to experience the peace that Jesus has made available to you in order to experience that peace. And you need to make things right with someone you've hurt to make that complete. I'm going to say this, hurt people will hurt people. Wounded people will wound others. Often a wounded person, a person who's been wounded by an offense or a hurt from someone in years past, they will offend people, hurt people, and they will not see their own, the, the damage they cause on people. And they're often the, the, the most difficult to admit when they're wrong because all they feel is the pain from their past, the injustice that they've suffered. And they want to verify, they want vengeance, they want, they want some type of acknowledgement. Often that person wants that, that feel of, of, you know what, I was wrong. And until they get past that, sometimes it's, it's hard for them to see their own suffering they're causing. We have to recognize there are certain situations, church, there are certain people that have offended us and hurt us that are in the grave, and you're never going to get that acknowledgement. You're putting your hope and trust and faith in man and something that will never occur when God can fill that gap and he can bring healing. So if you're, you're waiting for an acknowledgement, if you're waiting for it in, a, in a, a, in a confession, that may never happen, and you have to have peace with that. But God can fill that gap for you. We can't allow that to dictate how we treat others. You know, Colossians 3.13, this is from the Living Bible. Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When Joseph's reunited with his brothers, he's already forgiven them. It's water under the bridge. Joseph shows all the grace and mercy possible in this situation. Joseph is at peace with God. He's at peace with, peace with his brothers. He experienced the restoration of God in his life. The brothers aren't complete. The brothers are forgiven, but they aren't living in that forgiveness. And some of you, that's exactly what you are experiencing. You are forgiven but you're not walking, you're not living in that forgiveness. After the brothers moved down to Egypt with their families, they spent 17 years with Joseph. 17 years. 
Joseph is fine. He wants them to come down. He wants to take care of them. 17 years, he has peace with God. He's already made peace before they showed up. He's, he's going through this entire time just happy as a lark. You know, he's, he's just fulfilled. He's grateful. When Jacob, their father, dies, and they, they take his body back to Cain, and they bury him there. When they return, they feel like it's all going to change. It's all going to go down now. This has just been a show. This grace and mercy he's been showing, he'll have a change of heart, and rightfully so. He should judge us. He should bring justice in his situation. So now it's going to take place. We're going to get what we deserve. Look at this, Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brother saw their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the, Lord, the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then the, his brothers also went, fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants." Now, Joseph, in that moment, could have said, you know what? I was wrong. Now God's plan is fulfilled. But that's not where his heart at. God's plan was fulfilled 17 years ago. You following me? A vengeful person would say, now it's complete. Joseph said, no, this is not what I need to make things complete. Joseph said to him, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is today to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. See, 17 years after being restored to his brothers, Joseph has no grudges. He has peace with God. These 10 older brothers aren't living so confidently. They've been forgiven, but they aren't living in that forgiveness. They know they deserve. They are living with guilt. They're living with shame. They're living with regret. They know that it's, it's going to change. The, the, the death of their father is going to change it all. They're finally going to get the wrath that has been stored. And for 17 years, these brothers have been forgiven, but they've not received the fullness of that forgiveness because their guilt, their shame, and their regret. Joseph sees this, and he has compassion on them. Joseph is free, but his brothers, they are locked in self-imposed prisons. They're asking Joseph to forgive them, and he tells them, brothers, I forgave you years ago. You have been forgiven. This is not necessary. Don't do this to yourself. You're free from your sins you committed. And it wasn't until that moment that the brothers really, truly in enjoyed the restoration that God has made available to them 17 years ago. Church, don't waste 17 years of your life. Honestly, don't waste 17 minutes of your life with regret and shame. Don't allow shame over your past to steal from you. If you've genuinely repented of your sins, don't allow that to steal from you any longer. If you have made things right with God and where they can be made right, then you should not have shame. You need to receive forgiveness that Jesus has made available to you. You need to walk in that peace which will surpass all understanding. Psalms 103, 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God has forgiven you. Have you forgiven yourself? 